Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of 1 Peter. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail them to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We are here in the Epistle General of Peter, 1 Peter. And we're finishing up this letter. We're in chapter 5, and I fully expect that this will be our last session in 1 Peter. We begin reading at verse 6 of 1 Peter chapter 5. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now remember the charge had been given to the elders that they should feed the flock. Now, do you remember what Peter was told by Jesus Christ when he was allowed to answer the question, do you love me? And he affirmed his love for Christ three times, just as he had denied Christ three times. And so... When he told Christ, I love you, you know that I love you, I love you. Every time that he affirmed his love for Christ, Christ told him to feed his sheep, to feed his lambs, to feed his sheep. And so it is that we have been given the charge, elders have been given the charge, those of us who minister the gospel, to feed the flock of God to feed Christ's sheep. And at the coming of Christ, if we do as we are told to do, being an example to the flock, to willingly, of a ready mind, take care of feeding of the flock, not for money, not for a claim not for any other reason, but because we've been called of God to do it, then when the chief shepherd, that is Jesus Christ himself, shall appear, when he comes for his church, we will receive a crown of glory, and that crown will never fade away. It is an eternal crown. And in verse 5, he had given admonition to those that were not elders, those in the church, to submit themselves to the elders and then subject themselves one to another. In other words, prefer the other over themselves. To be clothed with humility because God resists the proud. God doesn't like arrogance. And he gives grace to the humble. And now, verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. It doesn't say, have God humble you. 
It doesn't say wait for God to bring humility to your very being. No, it doesn't say that. It says humble yourself. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that you may he that he may exalt you at the proper time. And then we're admonished, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Think about it. We place our cares upon Christ because he loves us, because he cares for us. Verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. He says, understand, when you've cast your care upon Christ, that you must be sober. That is, you have the proper perspective on life. You see life as Christ sees life. Be sober. Be vigilant. That means to always be on guard, to stand a vigil, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The devil is just like a roaring lion. doesn't say he's a roaring lion. says he's like one. He walks about, roaring, looking for someone to chew up. Verse 9 says we're to resist them. We're to resist him, I should say, in steadfastness. We're to resist him steadfastly in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are taking place for every Christian around the world. They're having the same problems you're having. This is not something to take you by surprise. It's not something that no one else has seen. You are suffering from the attacks of Satan, just as your brothers and sisters are everywhere in the world. This is not unusual. It's not new. It's not something that's special to you. Christians around the world are suffering from this onslaught of Satan. Verse 10, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Notice the three S's there. Establish, strengthen, settle. We, we see God here presented by Peter as the God of all grace. There's grace in none other. He's the God of all grace who hath called us by his, or called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. And after you've suffered for a little while, after you've suffered a while, so the suffering comes, but it's for a season. And then he's going to make you perfect. He'll make you mature. Make you perfect. 
He will establish you. He will strengthen you. And he will settle you. To be established means we have a firm foundation. To be strengthened means we can withstand the onslaught. To be settled means that we have no anxiety, no fear, no concerns. And this is the God of all grace doing this for us. And then he closes out his letter. Now we're three verses ahead of the closing out completely, but this is the way he closes it. He gives this benediction, this blessing, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That is to Christ. And then, verse 12, by Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose I have written briefly exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein you stand. This is being brought to you by Silvanus. Silvanus is a brother. That the church, the church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you. And so doth Marcus, my son. Where's this church that is at Babylon? It could be a symbolic name for Rome, as it is in Revelation chapter 17. Or it could be the true Babylon, which had a large Jewish population. Could be that Peter had been there. And he says, the church of Babylon salutes you. And so does Marcus, my son in the faith. Is this John Mark? Perhaps. This is perhaps John Mark, the one that turned back, that Paul said was unworthy of service, who became worthy. You'll remember in 2 Timothy 4.11, Paul received him as being someone important in the work of Christ. And then Peter completes this first general epistle, and he says, Greet ye one another with a kiss of charity, a kiss of love. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus, so be it, it is settled for eternity. Now we're told to greet one another with a kiss of love. I remember being at a conference many years ago, and a gentleman who was sitting on the front row of the, of the conference, front row of the chairs there set up for the speakers, and we had several hundred people there, and I went up and said hello to the gentleman, and he said, you're not greeting me properly. A Christian greeting is one with a kiss of love. And he was being very honest. I mean, he was being very honest. And uh, I, quite honestly, was taken aback because 
his attitude was not one of charity, not one of love, not one of concern or compassion, but it was one of, well, what's the word I'm looking for? One of uh, almost hatred, animosity kind of thing, because he was of some strange sect that believed that if you didn't say the right words, if you didn't invoke the name of Christ in the proper sequence, uh, or some such thing as that, that you were, you were a pagan, you were a heretic, you were a blasphemer. Well, I can't go that far. I mean, you know, and because I did not greet him properly, he was angry. Well, now, wait a minute. When Peter is talking to the general population of Christians that he was writing to, and he says, and greet ye one another with a kiss of love or charity, he certainly didn't say, get mad if someone doesn't greet you the way that you think you need to be greeted. <laughs> that would defeat the purpose, wouldn't it? That would be somewhat strange. Well, I unfortunately, I think that gentleman was somewhat strange. But anyway, that's another story. This is a pure kiss. This is a kiss of Christian love. It's a kiss to the cheek. It's a kiss of greeting, just as they did in the times of Christ. They would greet one another with a holy kiss, a kiss of charity. And so that's what Peter says that we should do. Now, in this portion of Scripture that we've been working, 1 Peter 4, 12 through 5, 14, uh, shows us the trials of a Christian. Now, you'll remember, we had mentioned earlier that in this epistle of 1 Peter, Peter had given us much to consider. In 1 Peter chapter 1 through chapter 2, verse 10, we have the privileges of the Christians. The privileges of the Christian. And then in 1 Peter 2, 11 through 4, 11, we have the duties of the Christian. And in 1 Peter 4, 12 through 5, 14, we have the trials of the Christian. Nero was the Caesar, and he was subjecting the church to awful persecutions. Trials resulted from the loyalty of Christ. They were inevitable. And we know that Christ sits as a refiner before the fire. It's with the most precious metals that the metal worker takes the most pains and he subjects them to heat. The fires melt metal. The molten mass releases all of the impurities, takes a new form. Christ allows us to be subjected to the heat until all the dross is burned out and the jeweler sees his face in that molten mass of metal. It's pure. And so it is when we're pure in Christ that Christ himself can see his own face reflected in our lives. Christians were burned at the stake every night in Nero's gardens. He let the Christians become the light 
for him to walk by in his gardens. How ghastly. It looked as if the devil was going to eat up all the Christians and devour the church. It was a fiery trial, and that's one reason why Peter writes it the way he does. But God would use the very heat of this fiery trial to leave the pure gold, to burn the dross. History has a record over and over of the many persecutions of Christians. Some were even more brutal than Nero's persecutions. Millions of Christians throughout the centuries, and especially in the last century and a half, have been subjected to every conceivable sort of torture. Well, these words found here in 1 Peter 4, 12 and following have been for these who have suffered through the centuries. We should be ashamed when we mention our little troubles when they've taken on so much and they've been persecuted and tortured and killed. So Peter reminds us not to be troubled, not to be surprised when we're tried by the fire. Don't think that Christ has promised that Christians should be spared from all pain or misfortune or death. Christ says, in this world ye shall have persecution. It's not a question of will I, it's a question of when will I. No doubt, no doubt that men will persecute the real Christians because the world hates Christ and anything that is called by his name. Peter exhorts the leaders of the church to take care of the members of the church. Don't lord it over them, verse 3 of chapter 5, but serve them. Jesus told Peter to feed my sheep there in John 21, as we mentioned, and these under-shepherds are to receive their rewards from the chief shepherd when he appears, his crown of glory forever will be theirs. The Christian life is like a jungle battle. Peter tells us who our enemy is, Satan or the devil. He's pictured as a roaring lion seeking his prey. He's cagey, appearing sometimes as an angel of light, sometimes as a serpent ready to strike, but he's always seeking whom he may devour. He's watching for our most vulnerable spot. If our door is unguarded to our hearts, he will attack. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul tells us what armor we are to wear. We don't need to be afraid. For the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. We know in 1 Peter, we find a precious faith. In 1 Peter 1, 1 through 12, we find the precious blood of Christ in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 25. We find the precious cornerstone in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. The precious Savior is found in 1 Peter chapter 2, 
verses 11 through 25. The meek and quiet spirit is considered precious in 1 Peter 3, 1 through 22. We find in 1 Peter 4, 1 through 19, the precious sufferings of Christ. And in 1 Peter 5, 1 through 14, we find the precious crowns that are ours. Here in 1 Peter, we find what God has given to us. And it portrays Jesus Christ as the precious cornerstone of our faith. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. That's The Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible Class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.